All right. Well, uh, it's exciting to uh, be here. Uh, my name is Joel. I'm the community pastor here at the Church at Cane Bay. If you've uh, if you've never met me, and uh, just looking forward as always to our time together uh, in the Word of God today. I did want to tell you, just kind of opening up um, a story. Um, when I before I was uh, here uh, at the Church of Cane Bay, before uh, Charlie and I got connected, and we felt like the Lord was really calling us to this community, I worked. Um, downtown at First Baptist Charleston as student minister and uh, had just an incredible experience there. So much history at that church. They've been around for uh, well over 300 years. Um, It's the oldest Baptist church uh, in the South. And so it's kind of a cool thing to be able to work at such uh, just a a beautiful church and a great community that's there. Um, But as I plugged in there, I began to notice that um, I started getting more and more and more and more and more responsibility. And so they hired me as the student pastor. Um, So I worked with the students in the youth group of the church. And also I was working as the chaplain at the school. They have a K through 12 school on campus. And so I was working as chaplain at the school as well. Um, Before too long, there was kind of a vacancy in the area of college ministry. And so that just kind of like fell to me at that point, which I love doing, love working with college students. Uh, and then they also needed someone to be able to lead worship in the contemporary service. And so I was like, all right, I'll do that too. I love it. And so I started doing all these things. And I was teaching five, six, sometimes like seven times a week uh, and, and just hanging out with students and doing all this. And I loved every bit of it. But it got to a point where I was just incredibly like, I don't have any time in my day to do anything. Like I couldn't plan. I couldn't get things done ahead of time because I was just working through the stuff that had to be done. And uh, thankfully, I found out at that time that I was working with such an incredible group of college students, and uh, they loved Jesus, they wanted to pursue him, and they wanted to serve and love others. And so uh, the Lord kind of one day was just like, listen, you need to take these college students and give them an opportunity to step into some of these holes that you're filling now. And uh, and so I, I got a group of these students together, and I was like, listen, I need your help need your help with student ministry. And so they began to invest in students, disciple students, uh, lead small groups for students. And God really began to just bless what was happening and really bless especially the work that they were doing in so many ways. And it freed me up to be able to, to do the things that I needed to do to plan and get things accomplished. And as we look in the book of, of Acts, we see something really similar happening in the life of the early church. And so I'm going to read really quick. I know in a minute we're going to be in 1 Timothy, but I'm going to read really quick from Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And I think you'll see kind of a similar picture. It says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Over the last couple of weeks, you've heard from Pastor David and Pastor Charlie, who have given us a really good understanding of what 
it looks like for uh, the qualifications and the person of an elder who God has set uh, apart to lead the church. And today we're going to talk about a different leadership position. This is a leadership position that came on a little a little uh, further on in, in the New Testament, but it was one that came out of need like we just saw in Acts chapter 6, and that is the position of the deacon. And as we look through these qualifications in 1 Timothy 3, what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of the same things. You're going to see very similar things to what we've seen earlier in the chapter for elders and for overseers. And that's the case because every position of leadership needs to have these kinds of qualities. And so as we look through those in a minute, you'll notice that and just know that as God is calling people into leadership, as God is pushing people further along, that these are the areas in our, in our lives that we will continue to be growing in. But I want to talk a little bit about this word deacon. Uh, it's a word that not a lot of people understand, and even people who've heard it for years kind of have a misunderstanding of what it means to be a deacon and to serve. Um, so the word deacon comes from the Greek word diakonos, which literally means servant. As we look in the New Testament, what we usually see is that it's, it's normally named in the context of someone who's in leadership, someone who's leading people. And so we tend to translate deacon then to be either servant leader or leading servant. And so like we saw in the book of Acts, we, we saw this need arise that we had the elders and the overseers of the church who were there. But what happened is as the church was growing, they began to see that there were needs that weren't being met because just a few people can't handle everything that needs to be done. And so the elders um, spoke to the church and decided that it was best that they appoint people to this position, this leading position of deacon. And actually the word that's used in Acts 6 when it says um, they're Should we not give up preaching the word of God to serve tables? That word serve right there for tables is actually the word um, for deacon. And I love the result that we see in Acts Acts 6 and verse 7. It says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And this is the result that we see when we have people sitting in the right seat of leadership, when we equip and we empower people to serve the gospel, to be an example of the gospel to a community, the word of God begins to increase and the number of disciples begins to multiply. That's what we want to see more and more happen here, the church of Cane Bay and the community that we live in. We want to see the word of God increase and the number of disciples continue to multiply. It's the goal. It's exactly what we want to see. And it is our mission statement. You've heard us say it over and over and over again, but that every man, woman, and child in a 10-mile radius of here would have multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus. And we do that by serving and by loving and by leading out and serving as well. So what about our church? Because a lot of you are sitting there saying, I hear you, but I've never heard anybody in this church ever mention the word deacon before right? Like, it's not a word that we say very often. Um, You're like, are we like missing out on something? This is like this biblical position of leadership that we just don't have in our church, and we need to stop doing everything that we're doing right now and get that right before we do anything else. If that was the case, probably, but we do have deacons in our church. We do have people who are in this position of leadership. We just don't call them deacons for a couple of reasons. When people hear the word deacon, One, 
they either haven't been in church and they have no idea what that means, or two, they've been in church for a long time and they've seen a really bad picture of what that means. And so for us, it's easier for us to just call deacons what they are in a simple way so that people can see and understand and know who these people are. So who are they? They're sitting around you right now. They sit with you in your missional communities. They lead you and they guide you. They are your missional community leaders. They are the people that we believe God has called to lead out in service in our church to carry the good news of Jesus uh, to this community. And I just want to say that we have an incredible group of missional community leaders. It is such a privilege for me um, to be able to lead them, to serve alongside them, to see the work that they're doing that goes beyond anything that I can even think of or imagine sometimes. They are so creative. They are so faithful. They are so diligent to do what needs to be done. And you guys have seen it in the context of your missional community and know And I hope that you are thankful for the people that God has called in our church to lead and service so that the gospel can be proclaimed in this church and outside of these walls. And so thanks to our missional community leaders. Uh, I actually have a gift for you guys after the service. Some of you have gotten it. So come find me if you haven't yet. And uh, I love you guys and thankful for what you do. Um, But pressing on in this today, I want us to get a clear picture of what that's supposed to look like, what these people who are in leadership, uh, what are the qualities, what are the the traits that they are supposed to exemplify. So I'm going to start first uh, with our bottom line. And our bottom line for today is that a servant leader serves Jesus and leads others to serve Jesus. So we're going to look in 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 8 through 13, and look at these qualities. Here's what it says. It says, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. As you look at that, at that passage, at those descriptions, it's easy to see that they match up really well with what we've looked at over the last couple of weeks should be in the life of an elder. It's not a job description. It's a list of character traits that we should be working towards. The one thing that's missing that counts for an elder as a job description is that idea of being able to teach. We don't see that here for a deacon, but we do see something similar that we're going to get to. So I want to kind of walk through these traits, see what they look like a little bit, see how we should be exemplifying them in our life as people who God has called to leadership. So the first one for us to see today is that, one, a servant leader has character. We see this in verse 8. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. That word for dignified there basically means that they can be respected. And it's explained by the phrases that are then followed. Not double-tongued. This means that this is a sincere person. They're not just saying things because sometimes they feel like they have to, but what they say out of their mouth comes 
out as truth. Their yes is yes, their no is no. They don't say something to one person and then turn around and say something completely different to another. It also says that they're not addicted to wine. They're not a drunkard. They don't let alcohol rule their life. And lastly, it says they're not desiring unearned gain. It's the opposite of a servant. A servant puts themselves last. A servant puts other people in front of them. And so gain even in itself isn't something that we're seeking, but especially not unearned gain, something that we don't work for, something that we don't fight for, but something that we just steal. And so number one, a servant leader has character. We also see number two, a servant leader holds to the gospel. In verse nine, it says they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must hold to the gospel We don't see that requirement of teaching, but we still see here this idea of believing and holding fast to the word of God and the truth of God. And Paul uses this this phrase, mystery of the faith, which, which is something that he does often in the New Testament to explain the gospel. The fact that the gospel, the good news of Jesus was a mystery for years. And we didn't know before Jesus came that he was to be the Messiah But he came in such a way that was first revealed just to a few, and then eventually through those few to multitudes, to where today we know and trust that Christ is the Messiah, and that if we believe in him, that we have the opportunity to have new life. But the gospel is still a mystery to us today, I believe. It's a mystery to me that in my sinfulness, in my brokenness, that God would choose to love me, to send his only son Jesus to die on a cross so that I might have the opportunity to have new life. That's a mystery. And we need to be in awe of it. We need to hold to it. We need to be excited about it. A guy in our church uh, who's exemplified this to me really well is Jeff Nomel. And uh, a few weeks ago, um, I was having a rough, uh, having a rough day. And um, I was uh, dealing with my dad not doing well and uh, some hiccups in our adoption process and just having a really hard day. And Jeff was supposed to come and meet me at the office to talk about uh, actually working through our process to become a missional community leader. And he came and we began talking about that, but he noticed in my face and in my voice that something was just wrong. And so he asked me about it. And uh, that day, Jeff sat down and prayed for me took the time to listen to me, encourage me with the word of God, with the hope of the gospel. And we all need that. Even your pastors need that. We have days where we need to be reminded of the good news of Jesus. And Jeff did that for me, and I'll never forget that. And I'm so thankful uh, that he's a man that is holding to the gospel. So number three, then, a servant leader should be tested. It says in verse 10, let them also be tested first, and let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Why do they have to be tested? Because this character matters. It matters that people who are leading in the church, who are serving in the church, are exemplifying this kind of character. Because otherwise, people look in at their lives and see that they are not who they need to be, and they're turned away from the gospel. We want to have people in leadership who are attracting people to the good news of Jesus. And we'll talk about this in detail in a little while, but uh, the way we do this here at the Church of Cane Bay is that we've developed a leadership path. And it is uh, a path that people walk through, seeing what their next steps are in leadership, seeing what their goal might be, seeing where they are, 
and understanding how they can take further steps. And along the way, they're being prepared for that next step of leadership. They're being prepared um, to be in that position of leadership. We have a great couple in our church, um, Gary and Marilyn Lee. And uh, Gary and Marilyn are walking through this process right now, which is why, uh, why I mention them. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a really neat thing um, to see a couple. Gary works back in our tech team, and Marilyn works in our, in our kids. Um, but it's great to see a couple, really, who honestly like, have more ministry experience than any of us who get up here and or have the opportunity to preach the Word of God. Um, Gary served as a pastor for years, uh, was in a biblical counselor for years. Um, God has just blessed him, and he's, he's kind of walked through this uh, really long process uh, of testing in his life. But it's incredible to see that as they're walking through the process now, that they're, despite the fact that they have so much experience, that they're walking through what they believe God has called them to and called our church to with such humility and grace and love. And I'm thankful for them as, as a couple, thankful that God has called them here uh, as well. So a servant should be tested. Number four, a servant leader can be male or female. Now, I want to look at this in verse 11 and give you a little explanation of, of what I'm saying here. Uh, in verse 11, it says, Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanders, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Most of your translations, as you read this, probably see that it says their wives likewise. And that's a typical and a very appropriate translation uh, of the Greek that is there. Uh, we, as a church at Cane Bay, and uh, along with most evangelical scholars in looking at this passage, believe that it can also be uh, rendered another way. The word that is used there uh, for wife is actually the word gyne, which is the, which is the basic generic Greek word for an adult woman. And so it is sometimes then used in the context of wife uh, when the scripture or the context of the passage is leading towards that direction. And so we see that there is a possibility. And also, as we look in Romans chapter 16, uh, we see a woman whose name is Phoebe. And Paul calls her actually a deacon of the church. She's given this title of a deacon. And so we see in a, wo- a woman in this leadership position uh, who is there as well. And I say that, I hope you know, like we as a church strongly believe in the infallibility of the word of God. We believe that it is inerrant. We trust in it. We hold it high. We don't let uh, culture dictate what we believe about scripture, but we firmly believe in letting scripture dictate what we believe about culture. Um, but we believe that scripture allows for this. And so because of that, we, uh, we, our missional community leaders aren't led by just men, but they're led by couples. They're led by men and women uh, who are serving and leading to serve uh, in our church. And I believe that if we were using an unbiblical form of deacons where they were actually just leading the church and making the decisions, then it would be a different story. But if we're following what Scripture says about a deacon, then we as a church believe that men and women can serve in that position. And so if we had um, single people who were leading missional communities, uh, we could have a single man or a single woman leading a missional community. And uh, we believe that Scripture allows for that, and we see it in Romans 16 in the life of Phoebe as well. Um, next, uh, well, along with that, no matter what, kind of how we, how we shake that out, we do see that there are some qualifications for these women. 
Um, it says uh, that they should be dignified, like we saw for the man, not slanders, that they're not um, people who are, are women who are given to gossip or given to rumors. Uh, they should be sober-minded. They're not driven by their emotions, but they're able to think through and, uh, and lead well, and that they're faithful then. They're faithful to finish what God has put before them, that they're faithful to finish the task that God has laid out for them, and we should all be striving for that uh, in our own life. Then number five, a servant leader leads well at home. As we look in verse 12, it says, Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. We see two things about that there. Uh, This idea of husband of one wife. David talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the context of eldership. And what he says, what he said about it is exactly what it means. It's this idea of uh, being a one-woman man, being committed to the relationship. It's not that we believe that deacons have to be married to be able to be a deacon. It's this idea that they have to be committed to the covenant that they've committed themselves to before God, that they are faithful in that. And then secondly, that they're managing their children and their household well. Charlie talked about earlier how we believe that this church is a family. We believe that this church is a household. We believe that this church is a home. And the people who lead this church need to be faithful to lead their own families, their own households, and their own homes before God calls them to do that here in the context of the church of Cane Bay. Next six, a servant leader is respected. In verse 13, it says, For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Again, good standing for themselves. They're respected. They're people who people look at and say, hey, I respect them. I see how they serve. I see how they lead. And because they work so hard for the gospel, I have a great respect for them. And that then leads to what we see following that, a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. That if the people who are serving and the people who are leading are people who are exemplifying the gospel and their service, and they're respected. The gospel is going to be seen in their life. And as people look at them, trust begins to grow, belief begins to grow, faith begins to grow, and the kingdom of God grows. And because they're faithful, because they're respected for their faithfulness. Jared and Danielle Douthat, I think, model this and exemplify this really well in our church. Because of their faithful service and all the things that they do for our church, work so hard for the kingdom of God and our community as leaders, and people look at them and they just respect them. And that allows the opportunity for people to know and understand the gospel even more because of the example that they set. As I look at this list up here, for me, the person who kind of best exemplifies this out of my life is my dad. And uh, a lot of you guys know that a few weeks ago, um, my father passed away, and uh, I had the privilege um, to write the eulogy for his funeral and, and um, give the eulogy at his funeral. And as I look at this list, like, this was my dad, and my dad was a faithful servant of God, and he served as a deacon in his church for years and years and years. But he really modeled this better than anyone I've, I've ever seen, the servant leadership of Jesus. Christ was his example. He worked faithfully to model 
what he saw in Scripture of Jesus. And he modeled that well to his family, to my mom and their marriage, to us as his kids. Just being able to wake up in the morning and, and go and see my dad spending time in God's Word daily. Such a great reminder. Such a great example. Every year at Christmas, probably what I remember and treasure most is that my dad, we had a tradition where my dad always read the Christmas story to us. And so we would sit down as a, as a family, and that family's grown over the years, so it's been really special these last few years as we all sit down together. My dad read the Christmas story, and usually with tears in his eyes, and just a purity of heart, sincere faith, my dad told his family the gospel of Jesus. Year in and year out, though we were all believers, though none of us, he just was faithful to remind us of the gospel, to teach us the gospel, that Jesus was born so that he could die, so that we could experience new life. And parents, listen to me. That's what your kids need to see in your life. It's the most important thing that your kids need to see in your life is they need to see you modeling and loving Jesus. And if they can see that in your life, everything else is going to be good. If you're living that out in your life, then you're going to be exhibiting the character traits as a parent that you need to be exhibiting. It's what I remember the most about my dad. There was never a question in my family that my dad was the leader of the family, but he led with such consistency and such grace and such love that none of us ever had a problem following him. And as my dad was walking towards Jesus, he was leading us right behind him to do the very same thing. And that's what we've got to be doing as parents, and it's what we've got to be doing as servant leaders and as deacons. These are traits for us all to pursue in our life. They're not just for people that God has placed in leadership, but these are things that we should all be working for, things that we should all be fighting for in our lives. My dad followed Jesus ultimately because Jesus is the best example of this. Jesus is the best model of what it means to be a servant leader. If you look in Mark chapter 10, 43 through 45, it should be on the screen. Jesus said this. He said, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Luke twenty two twenty six through 27, Jesus said, Let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at a table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at a table? And Jesus says this, But I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus models this idea of servant leadership more than anyone else we see in Scripture. And he is our ultimate example of this. In fact, the word that he uses for himself in both of those passages is the word for deacon. Jesus gives himself this title of servant leader, knowing that it is our responsibility and our joy as Christians to imitate him, to model him, and to follow him, and experience and know the same thing in our lives. That as we follow Jesus as we serve, that we move to lead others to serve as well. 
And guys, it's a joy. It is an honor to have the ability to follow and imitate Christ. And Jesus calls us to it. He doesn't just provide us with an example, but he calls us to do it. In Luke chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, it says this. And after the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go, and he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Jesus has called us to be people who serve the kingdom of God, who exemplify what it means to love God and to follow him. And he's called us to do it in the midst of a community that's lost and hopeless without him. We live in that harvest. We're surrounded every day by hundreds and thousands of people who need to know and experience the love and grace of Jesus. And he has called us to be out there and to be the example to be the lead servants who people can look at and say, something's different there. What is it? Over the next few years in our community, Cane Bay, Carnes Crossroads, Nexton, we're going to see over 25,000 homes built and filled with people that need to know the love of Jesus. This staggers my mind. Listen to this. The landmass of those three communities is going to create, really essentially, its own town the size of Somerville. A town with a population the size of Mount Pleasant. And God has called us here as a church, not just to sit inside these walls, but to be people who are out expressing the hope and the love that is found in Him. And there's a reason that several years ago, Charlie and I sat down with a whiteboard and tried to figure out what direction God was leading this church to before, far before we were ever sitting in a service like this. And I'm thankful to say that God gave us a vision and we're beginning to see that vision grow and grow and grow as we have missional communities that are out to be an expression of the love of Jesus in our community as guests and visitors are able to walk through these doors and experience the hope of Jesus because they have people who are serving them, who are loving them, and who are modeling what it means to follow Christ. It's what God has called us to. So that every man, woman, and child can have multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus. We want that to grow. We want the power of the gospel and the kingdom to continue to move. In order to do that, we need all of us as a community and as a family to step up, to take ownership and say, we're in. We believe we're willing to do whatever needs to be done for every man, woman, and child. I could stand up here and talk for hours about the needs that we have as a church. I could tell you that we need more people and set up and tear down each week so that we can make this environment happen that feels welcoming to people as they come in. I could tell you that we desperately need more people serving in kids so that as children come into this place every week, they're able to know and experience and hear the hope of the gospel could tell you that we need more people in hospitality and greeting. We're creating an environment that people instantly feel welcome when they walk into. 
We need more people in band and tech to allow people the opportunity to hear the gospel without distraction and clearly worship the Lord. We need more people in our missional communities so that people who are outside of these walls and have never really heard of the hope of Jesus are able to have that opportunity. And that need is great. That need is important and that need is huge. But so much bigger than that is our obedience to God as a family. For us to say, yeah, the need is great. And it's true. It's there. But what comes first is the fact that Jesus has called me to this and I'm going to obey. Whatever it takes, I'm going to obey. And if we live that, if we breathe that, if we grow in that as a family, then we're never going to have shortcomings. We're never going to have needs. Maybe. (laughs) As we grow, the need grows. God has called us to that together. And our obedience is so important. So I want to talk a little bit about our leadership path that I mentioned earlier. This exists um, so that you can see as as a person sitting here this morning, everything that is available to you in leadership at the Church of Cane Bay. So you can see where you are. You can see what your next step is. You can see where you maybe want to be in the future here. And I stand here and tell you this morning that I believe that God wants you to take a next step. I believe that God is calling all of us to take next steps. We're a family. We grow together. That means that all of us grow, that all of us serve, that all of us are taking next steps, that all of us begin to lead, and that all of us pitch in for every man, woman, and child to hear, see, and respond to the gospel. Acts 6 that we read earlier proves that it's not just for your pastors. As much as we love what we do, and hear me that we love what we do, we can't do it without you guys. We have to have you. We're a family. We work together. And you're leading. You're leading someone. All of us are leading someone. The question is not whether you are leading. The question is, what are you leading people to? And I want you to stop and kind of take a moment to think about your life. Who are the people in your life that you're leading? It it could be your kids. It could be people that you work with. It could be people inside of this church. It could be someone that you huddle with. But each one of us have people in our lives that we are leading somewhere. And where are we leading them to? God has called all of us to leadership. None of us are exempt from that. And the question is, who are we leading? Where are we leading them to? So I want to walk through this leadership path. You see it up there. I know that's really hard to read, so I'm going to have it differently up there. Um, But um, these are the steps of leadership in our church that we believe that God has given us, that we want to encourage people to walk through um, for the sake of every man, woman, and child. And so uh, we'll go ahead and flip over and start with uh, disciple, because this is the first thing. And a lot of you guys have the disciple bracelets, grow, give, and go. We've talked a lot about what it means to be a disciple who is growing, who is giving and going. Um, but what does that look like? How do, we, how do we measure that as a church? How do we know if someone is growing, if someone is giving, and if someone is going? 
And we have a few things that at least clue us in and help us to understand that a little bit. Um, first thing is that this person is a, a partner of our church. Um, they're a person who said, we are with the church at Cane Bay. Uh, we want to be a part of this mission. We want to see every man, woman, and child have those opportunities to respond to the gospel of Jesus. And so we're in. We take that responsibility on for ourselves. Uh, let's go. Let's do this thing. And they've walked through uh, our Discover class. And uh, several of you guys were a part of our uh, last session of Discover this morning. You've been walking through that process, and now you're ready to take the next step into partnership with the Church of Cane Bay, and that is very exciting. Uh, We're excited that you have taken the opportunity to do that. Uh, We also kind of measure this idea of disciple by missional communities. Are you plugged in? Are you involved in a missional community? Are you exercising those muscles of serving and allowing people to see the gospel in your life? Another is a huddle. Are you in a huddle? Are you in an accountable relationship with two or three others of your same gender where uh, you are able to dig deep into the Word of God each week, encourage each other, challenge each other, hold each other accountable, pray for each other? Uh, Those things are vital to know that someone is growing. And then serving. Are you involved on a service team here? Are you working uh, for this church on, on a Sunday morning, whether it be in kids, whether it be uh, in tech or in band, set up in teardown, are you serving so that people are able to have the opportunity um, to hear the good news of Jesus? Our home, our family, our household has a purpose and it has a mission that we all work towards, that we're all responsible for. And so when we think about the idea of a disciple, um, This is what we see. And hear me this morning. This is a high bar. We know that. We trust in that. And it's it's a high bar for a reason. Because we want people, even in this context, to have next steps. For you to be able to say, well, you know what? I haven't become a partner yet. I haven't taken the Discover class. So that's my next step, to do that. And then maybe I'm in a missional community, but I'm not in a huddle. That's my next step inside of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Or maybe you're there. Maybe you're plugged into all these things and you say, what is next for me? The next step is a huddle leader. You've been in a huddle for a while. And after a while, you figured out, you know what? I can lead this thing. Like, it's not that complicated. I can do this. And so you talk to the person that you're huddling with and you say, you know what? We've been doing this for a while. Maybe we should multiply our huddle and we should all step out and each lead our own huddle so that more people have an opportunity to be invested in this kind of relationship because it is so important and it is so vital. And so if you're involved in a huddle and you are a disciple and you've done all these things and for you, your next step is just to say, you know what, I'm going to step out and I'm going to lead my own huddle. I'm going to go find one or two other people in our church, my missional community. They could be people that I work with. It could be my neighbors. I'm going to find some of those people, and I'm going to start a new huddle and lead a huddle so that people can hear the gospel. Next step is what we call missional community apprentice. It's the next step beyond being a huddle leader. Missional community apprentice is someone who is being prepared to lead a missional community. You feel like God has called you to lead a missional community. Maybe he's given you a vision uh, for one of the missional communities. And so uh, you say to your leader, hey, I want to be a leader. What do I need to do? 
And they're going to say, hey, let's put you in this seat of missional community apprentice. And it's a time where you're, you're able to, to meet and understand and know what it means to lead a missional community. You have an opportunity to meet with me to get more information about what it means to lead. You're going to be meeting consistently with your, your leader along the way. You're going to have opportunities to lead, uh, not only in your group, but also out on mission as well. And this is something that we want all of our missional communities to have. Some of them do, some of them don't. And so if you're in a missional community and you believe this is your next step, talk to your leader. After this is missional community leader. This is the position we've been talking about this morning, this idea of deacon, of lead, servant. You are leading a group of 12 to 15 adults and kids out on mission in our community, serving this community, loving this community with the love and the hope of Jesus. Beyond that, we have a couple of others. Missional community coach. A missional community coach is a leader who leads leaders. Their responsibility, uh, as well as being a missional community leader themselves, is to encourage other leaders, to challenge other leaders. They each have a few leaders that they're responsible to just make sure things are going well. If they need anything, that's their contact person to go to. And lastly, our last step of leadership is elder, pastor, and planner. It's uh, the position that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And God has called you to lead his entire, his whole church out on mission. What I love about each of these things, and what I think is true of all leadership in Scripture, is that the focus of all of these is serving. The focus of all of these is modeling what it means to be a servant leader. And the responsibility grows along the way. We're not just going to take you and throw you from uh, the position of disciple all the way to being a missional community leader. We want to make sure that you have time to be prepared before you get in that position. That you know what it means to lead a few people in the context of a huddle before you take the step to become a missional community apprentice and start having to lead more people than that. You are growing in leadership along the way. It's a process, and it helps us know how to take the next step. We said earlier, our bottom line is that a servant leader serves Jesus and leads others to serve Jesus. Where are you this morning? God has called you to serve. God has called you to lead in some kind of context. It might not yet be a missional community leader, but God is calling you to take the next step, and we want to help you take that next step. Where do you want to be? Where do you believe that God is calling you to? Our band's going to go ahead and and come back up, and I just want to encourage you guys, if you look in your bulletin on this little tear-off sheet that a lot of you guys may have torn off already, if you look on the back here where it says Connections, There are a couple of things that I want you to think through. Because like I said earlier, I believe that God is calling each of us to a next step. And so, under connections here, I want you to read through this and look at this. It says, circle any that apply to you. I'd like more information about joining a missional community. If you're not in a missional community and you believe God is calling you to be a part of a missional community, circle that. We'll get you more information. A little later, I'll be standing in the back, and I would love for you to come and have a chat with me, and I'll help you get connected into a missional community. Maybe you are not yet in a huddle. If you're not yet in a huddle, I want to encourage you. 
Either find somebody that you know and start huddling with them, or go to your missional community leader and say, I want to be in a huddle. What do I need to do to get connected into a huddle? The next line there says, I want to help with the Sunday morning service team. This is so important that each of us is engaging as people who are coming together as a family to allow people to be able to experience the love of Jesus when they walk through these doors each and every week. So if you believe that God is calling you to serve, I want to encourage you to circle that, drop it in the offering plate as it comes by, and maybe right under there, the area that you feel like God is pushing you to serve in. I mentioned a bunch of them earlier. If you feel like God's calling you to work in kids, just write kids under there. We'll make sure that someone gets in touch with you this week so that you can take that next step. And then that ultimately, the last one is the most important. I want to talk to someone about how to become a Christian. Maybe you look at the list that we had up there earlier and you said, you know what? I don't even know if I'm on there. I don't know if I've experienced the love and the grace of Jesus yet. In just a few minutes as the band begins to play, I'll be standing back here and I want to encourage you to come. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk. Let's pray together. Let's take that next step that God is calling you to take now, that the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart, drawing you to him. Don't walk out of here today and not be faithful to step through what God's calling you to do, whatever it is. So our ushers are gonna go ahead and come forward. We're gonna have a moment where they take up the offering, but I wanna encourage you, everybody, grab that card, grab that sheet. What's your next step? What is God calling you to? If it's something that's there, mark that. Let us help you get connected. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thankful for this family. Thankful for this community that you've given to us. God, it is such a joy. It is such an honor me to be able to lead and to serve alongside such incredible people. I pray for us today as each one of us is wrestling with a call that you've put on our lives, Lord, that we would be faithful to follow through. God, that we wouldn't be timid, that we wouldn't hold back, Lord, but we would have the courage to step into that next position. We would have the courage to move in the direction that you're calling us to. Lord, I'm thankful that we've each had people in our lives who have modeled for us what it means to serve, what it means to lead. God, I pray that you give us the boldness to step out and take those next steps this morning. Lord, ultimately, we thank you most for Jesus, who's shown us far more grace than we ever deserved, who's given us so much more love than we should ever be able to experience. Father, I pray for each of us that as we continue to pursue Christ, God, that you would give us the joy and the privilege of being able to lead others to do it as well. I'm thankful for your truth. God, I pray that we take it and live it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.